0: This month, the month of February, I almost said January, the month of February is Relationships Month, and we wouldn't be having good relationships with Valentine's Week, which is of course this week, if we didn't talk about boyfriend and girlfriend, and husbands and wives, and I just want to, while the whole world turned their focus And there's a greeting card company that's like, this is their heyday and flowers and all that stuff that's going on this week. This is what we're going to focus this morning on as well. But I have a couple of jokes to tell you, and I've got several sparse in here, more than normal, because this is going to be, as you saw and as I told you last week, this is going to be PG-13. You're going to hear some things that you probably have never heard in church before. And get ready. Here we go. So here's the first joke. In the beginning, God created the earth, and he rested. Then God created man, and he rested. Then God created woman, and since then, neither God nor man has ever rested. Brooks, I still need you on the drums for that one. A little boy asked his father, Daddy, how much does it cost to get married? And his father replied, I don't know, son. I'm still paying. I know, that just cracks me up. All right, so in all seriousness, God did create the earth, he did create man, and then he did create woman, and that's what we're going to look at a little bit. And you've heard a little bit of this before, I've alluded to it, but we're going to go into a little bit more depth this morning. So if you will turn with me in your Bibles, because I want you to see this is actually in the Bible, we're going to put it up here as well, but I want you to see this because the first time I heard this is blew my mind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. Then God, that's a crazy background. Then God, and that word God is actually Elohim, and it is a plural form of God. So it's not like we have he, they, I, okay, in pronouns. This is the plural form. So it's showing, even in the word Elohim, that it is more than one, okay? Then God said, let us make man in our image, According to our likeness. Okay, Michael, if you can put the next one up there, if you were able to get it for me. The interesting thing I want us to see here... Yeah. Let us... This is God speaking. Let us make man in our image. So we see Elohim is plural. We see us as plural. And we see our is plural, right? So it's more than one. According to our likeness, again. Continuing... Verse 27, then God created man in his image, his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, the next one, Michael. Again, he created him, Adam, male and female. Have you ever seen that? Adam was both male and female. He created them. So the totality of male and female Was all encompassed in how God created Adam. That kind of crazy? Do you ever think you'd see that kind of stuff in the Bible? I never did. I literally, when I heard this, the guy at Christ for the Nations was preaching this, and I went back to my dorm, and I was just like in the fetal position in my closet going, because it's just like crazy. So then it continues on, Genesis 2, verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. Literally, helper means, I'm sorry, suitable literally means opposite. So God says, it's not good that man has everything just in himself. I want to separate and make a helper who is opposite. So we know the story God made Adam go to sleep. then God took Eve out of Adam. He literally if we go back to go back to the other screen, Michael, with the yellow, male and female, he created them. He left Adam as the male, and he took the female parts out of Adam from the original. He created them, right? And then he made the female parts Eve. So now we have the opposites that we see here. So we have the male that's here. We see the male, the female is the opposite of him, and the two of them, when they come together, are one. Until you find your other half, you will feel incomplete. See, because the only thing we can, the closest thing we can ever come to God is when we're in marriage and we have the male and the female and we come together. So, physically, obviously, we're talking about. the biological parts, okay? So when the biological parts fit together, if you will, well, I said it's PG-13, we're not going to cross the line, all right. but you're, you're figuring it out here. That's when we come back to the original way that God created man. That's why sex is so important to God. People say, well, I should just be able to have sex whenever I want to, with whomever I want to, and it's all good. And we had this huge thing years ago, if it feels good, just do it. However we want to do it. I can live my life my way. But how many of you know that you can't just live your life God, your way. You have to live it God's way. And this is the way he originally intended. Marriage isn't 50-50 though. Do you ever think about that? I had a friend told me years ago, he says, listen, he goes, you shouldn't go into marriage with the mindset that you think, hey, I'm like 75 and she's 75. So the two of us will hit over hundred and we're, you know, I'm a little bit less here. She's good there. And that's, he goes, no, it has to be. She's hundred percent and you're hundred percent. And the 200% gives a hundred percent relationship. Marriage isn't 50, 50 Is Not right. Divorce is when you set everything, you split it down the middle, and you say, okay, half goes to you, half goes to you. But in marriage, 100% is required, and 100% of the time to enjoy the fullness of this thing called marriage. Okay, so enough. (laughs) Hey, stop for a second. Just think, if it weren't for marriage, here's another joke, okay? These aren't great jokes, I'll tell you. If it weren't for marriage, men would go through their life forever thinking that they had no faults, faults at all. Isn't that right? go, I'm fine. There's no problem with me. We need a wife to tell us where our faults are. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was cracking up last night when I was reading all these. I was yelling out loud to Andrew when he was there and to Lenore, and neither of them laughed. But I hope I get better with you guys. A little boy was attending his first wedding. And after the service, his cousin asked him, how many women can a man marry? The boy said, 16. Can you figure it out? His cousin was amazed that he had answered so quickly. He says, well, how in the world do you know that? He goes, it's easy. All you have to do is do simple math, just like the bishop said. Four better, four worse, four richer, and four poorer. But boom I know, that's terrible. But now think about Solomon and David. Solomon had 365 wives. 365 wives. At 800 concubines. A concubine was a woman you kept around just to have sex with. I mean, come on, dude. Someone asked, I heard Pastor Chris say this. Someone asked, why did, why did, oh my gosh, I can't even say this without laughing. Why did Solomon have 365 wives? And Pastor Chris's response was, so he had hoped that when he came home, one of them would be in a good mood. But I don't know. I don't think that's true or not true. But anyway, I'm going to get in really bad trouble with that one. But now, seriously, I want to suggest to you now that the way God created us, that, put this all on pause for a second, the wholeness of us, the way God created us, he created us with a God-shaped whole, a void inside of us that only God can fill. Okay? Follow me for a second. I'm not talking about male and female, he created them. I'm talking about us as individuals now. So what we try to do, all of us, most of us, just about everybody in the world, we try and fill that void, that, that, that thing that's trying to crave something, and you don't necessarily know oftentimes what it is. We try and fill it with good grades. That's not going to fill it. We try and fill it with work. I'm going to work, 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 work. And that's going to make me feel successful. That's going to make me feel satisfied. It's going to fill that hole, that void, that lack that's in there. I'm going to fill it with money. So if I have enough money, I'm going to be happy, right? People try and fill it with relationships. And they try and fill it with sex. That's where it kind of falls back into where we're talking about. But all of these things... Or we're not going to fill that void inside of us. Only God can fill that void. But in that void that God comes in and he fills that void. And again, I will tell you Pastor Tad's words. If I could take Jesus out of my heart and put him in your heart for just a second, you'd never want him to leave. When that void inside of us is filled, that God-shaped void, it's just like a glove. It just fits in there. All of a sudden, everything is better. The same thing happens in a relationship. Now, I want to I ask you this question. How is it possible, and I've talked to a whole bunch of people... I've been doing this for a long time. And when I was in Bible college, I studied relationships and marriage. And that was, I knew that was going to be something. I was going to be a focal part of my life. And so I've, over the course of years, I've talked to tons of people, both guys and girls. And I will tell you that without exception, all of them told me the same thing. When I asked them. They didn't necessarily volunteer it right up. But if you enter into sex before marriage... There is pleasure, again, we're going to keep this on the PG side of it, but there's pleasure that God created in sex, the way he created everything. He could have created procreation just to be something that was just a simple act, and that's it. But he created it with so much pleasure and so much enjoyment, he wanted that to be a great part of our life in the right place. How many of you know that a fire in your fireplace can warm your home? A fire outside of your fireplace can burn your house down, right? So the fire isn't the bad thing. So the people that I've talked to, I said, when you have sex outside of marriage, how do you feel after it's over? And just about everyone will say, I feel bad. I feel dirty. I feel sad. I feel, I I, I know I shouldn't have done that, or I have regret, or it's the walk of shame, even somebody would say. And it's like, well, why is that if you can just do anything and everybody's your own God and you can just do whatever you want to? That in itself is evidence that there's a right way. Even up to the night before your marriage, if you have sex. You're still going to feel that badness, that emptiness, that dirtiness, that I shouldn't have done that after the euphoria is gone. But then you have a wedding ceremony and you stand up here, you have a minister such as myself and I say this and I say that and say, okay, you're now husband and wife, you may now kiss your bride, ladies and gentlemen, here's Mr. or Mrs. whomever. You go home. Then you're expected to have sex, and you have sex, and what happened? One day, 24 hours, one day to the next, you don't have that feeling of letdown. You don't have that feeling of shame. You don't have that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm so dirty. What's the difference between that 24 hours? Isn't sex, sex? It is the covenant that God has. See, when God created Adam and Eve, male and female, and he separated them, and then he says, now when the two of you come back together is when you find the completeness in me. That's with the covenant surrounding that coming back together. So when we have sex outside of marriage, when we have sex when it's not blessed by God, that's when we have all the other issues. Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. He's talking about they should have sex. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. See, when we do it God's way, I love the fact that the Bible is plain. It's laying it out there. And they were not ashamed. Ashamed. When is being naked not a shame? Is it not shameful to have sex with a man and his wife? Now, a little bit of heaviness. Now, I have a video for you that cracks me up. So, here is a video. I believe it's from Australia or something. Here hey, we go. Did you
1: said you were going to make dinner. I can remember. <sighs> what? I just wish you'd take some initiative and cook your own dinner for once. I've been at work too, you know. And what now I get to come home and pack the dishwasher and then unpack the dishwasher and cook dinner and put the washing on. And you know what? I can't continue to live like this because hey, it's hey, not hey, me. hey, relax. It's going to be all right. How? Here, I'll just show you. Okay, I've been doing this since you moved in. See this basket thing? I don't know how it happens, if it's the house or what. But any dirty clothes you put in this basket, somehow, the next day, they're just clean, folded, and in a perfect pile on your bed. You're not serious. I couldn't believe it at first either. (laughs) But it just keeps happening. That's why I didn't tell you. I didn't want to jinx it. You are insane. Try it. You'll see. Unless it's only chosen me. See, I don't know. I can't do this. No, wait. There's other things too. Plates, cutlery, pizza boxes, dirty tissues, anything you leave on this coffee table just vanishes overnight. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I'll see how far I can push this thing and I'll just leave everywhere. And then sure enough, the next day, it's all gone. It's just vanished. It's magic. No, she wouldn't have left me. This is what I think happened. I heard her get up in the middle of the night to get a drink or something. She must have fallen onto the magic coffee table and just vanished. Are you insane? No, he's not insane. I've got the same coffee table at home.
0: (laughs) All right, there you go. Oh my gosh. All right, getting back on track. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It's going to pop up here on the screen as well. It says, marriage is honorable in all. And the bed is undefiled. Once again, we see that God is talking about marriage and he's talking about sex. He says, it is blessed. It is honorable. It is the great thing that I've created for you and it is undefiled. But the sin, doing what you know you shouldn't do, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, this sin is different. The Apostle Paul says, flee immorality, talking about sexual sins. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. In other words, if you do sexual sins, it is actually sinning against your own body. Isn't that crazy? Of all the sins in the entire world, okay, we can do all these different things, this sin... Is against our body. It's different. But sin is sin. Some people say, well, I can just sin and, and my sin is just the same thing, me lying is the same thing as you doing this and this. That is true, however, I want us to see this. Next verse we're looking at is first John chapter one, verse eight through nine. It says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, we can some of us could say, well, I'm better than everybody else, and my sin is this, or, you know, I'm, I'm really not that bad of a sinner, or I'm really better. He says, we're deceiving ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right here we see that no matter what sin we have going on, whatever our struggle is, and we all sin, no one is sin-free. Only Jesus was. So everybody in this room, the Bible says, God's word says, we're all in this thing together. Okay. So while this is kind of heavy a little bit, it still needs to be taught. It still needs to be the kind of thing that we stand up and broadly and boldly proclaim what we believe and what God's word says about marriage and sex. Anyone that's fallen short, I want you to see that we're all in the same thing. But God is there for us. First Thessalonians says, God's will is for you to be holy. God's will. God doesn't even have to, you don't have to worry. You say, well, I really don't know what God thinks about this. He says, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin." Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans or those who do not know God and his ways. But what does God-created love look like? 1 Corinthians is where we find this. Chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ways it is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. I don't know about you guys, but that's all really difficult stuff. I was driving on George Bush last week. Maybe it's the week before, but I'm pretty sure it's last week. And there was this lady, she was just riding my bumper, and I'm going at least the speed limit, if you follow what I'm saying. And she's right on my bumper. And I was just getting so frustrated. I'm not going to have road rage like we talked about last week. I'm, I'm trying not to have any issues with that. But she's right up on my bumper. And she just whipped around and she flipped around on the three lanes. And right as she went around this car, there was a big bumper in the middle of the road. And it flew up and she couldn't see until right as she got it. I didn't see it either. But right as she got up there, the thing flew up and hit her. And she smashed that thing to pieces. And she's like swerving all over the road. But her anger and all this stuff. And it was difficult. I'm going to tell you the truth. It was difficult for me not to go. Hey. It says it does not rejoice in injustice. It doesn't keep track of wrongs and go, I told you not to do that. I, it, it's so easy, though, for us to go the wrong way. But love is patient and kind. So regardless if the relationship you're in is boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband and wife, I'm trying to land this into this whole scripture right here. This is what it should look like patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud or rude, not demanding its own way. So I don't have to win. It's not irritable. Man, I I lose it on this one all the time. This is probably one of my greatest weaknesses if I was being truthful. Keeps no record of wrong. There's no scorecard of, well, you've missed it this many times, and then you keep with me, and we'll just battle it out of who's more right. No, we don't keep track of wrong. But rejoices when the truth wins out. Verse 7, love never gives up. Never gives up. didn't say unless or in case, maybe if, love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful. Big words. Endures through every circumstance. Verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much that you didn't leave us to wonder about any part of our lives. As we look at how you created man and sex, how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to live a holy life, and lastly, how we're supposed to live with one another in every relationship. But the most intimate relationships that we'll have are the hardest most difficult places for us that really show love that is patient and kind. Father, I'm challenged by this. And it's easy to maybe give a message It's even harder, though, to walk it out. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the times that I've fallen short. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be a people who live a certain way the way you designed it so that we'll have the most successful the most fulfilled life I don't know where you find yourself this morning I don't know what the words did to you inside your heart maybe it was happy Maybe it was remorseful. Maybe it was regret. Maybe it was feeling like I missed the mark a little bit. But as I talked about the God-shaped hole that's in our life, only God can fill that. no boyfriend, no husband, no girlfriend, no wife can fill that void except God. The greatest thing that we can do is allow God to come into our lives. So if that's you, I ask you to pray this prayer with me. I'm not going to ask anybody to be embarrassed. So we're just going to pray that right where you're at, just silently you mean it in your heart, God is going to hear you and come through. Just say, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of trying to do it my own way. I want you to come into my life and fill that void. I want to start a personal relationship with you. I ask you to show me the way you want me to be and I'll do my best. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my way to you. In Jesus' name I pray.